0: You're listening to the podcast of Christ Walk Church in Fernandina Beach, Florida, where we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. We hope that these messages encourage and challenge you to live for something more. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at Christwalk.com. Thanks again for listening. Now here's today's message.
1: Amen. All right. Well, today is... Um, Today is a very special Sunday. Not only is it Palm Sunday, but it is also um, Communicator Sunday. This is something that um, we are doing uh, for the first time, at least since I've been the pastor here. And so I'm not bringing the message today, but I'm excited that we have three others um, within our church body that are going to be bringing uh, three mini messages for us this morning, and so they um, are going to accomplish a feat today that I never could, and that's to preach an entire message in under 12 minutes. Um, I could never do that. So they have they have been working for uh, for weeks putting this together. And it has been an absolute pleasure um, to work with them uh, as they have wrestled uh, with God's word and and putting a message together that I've heard these messages already, and you are in store for a treat. It is going to be awesome, and we're going to celebrate together what God is doing and how people are growing in their faith and stepping outside of their comfort zone. And so I'm going to shut up and sit down so that we can get to the good stuff of today. So we have three. Three speakers. Um, the first is Todd Hawley. The second is Ray Lane, and the third is Lois Campanelli. And so they're going to bring three uh, different yet closely connected messages in succession this morning that are just going to bless your socks off. So, uh, for us to get started, we're going to welcome Todd to the stage, and he's going to take it. He's going to take it from here.
2: Thank you, Pastor. Good morning, Palm Sunday today, absolutely an amazing Sunday. I woke up this morning feeling really good, uh, feeling like God um, wants me to share some stories with you today, and so I'm going to share. First, I'd like to tell you that I've been a member here of Christ Walk for about uh, seven years, Um, came to this church uh, previous pastor before, Pastor Blake, uh, loved it. I loved the praise and worship. Uh, wasn't super connected with the pastor, but I still liked his preachings. Um, started uh, coming with my son. We would come in and we'd listen to per- the praise and worship, and then we would duck out and leave after the, before the message <laughs> started. <laughs> I'm confessing that to you, yes. <laughs> so uh, when Pastor Blake actually started preaching, um, we would come, listen to the praise and worship, and my son was like, hey, let's, let's check out. Let's see what this guy's got in store. And we would sit in the back, and uh, Kyler and I eventually uh, started staying because we really liked what he was preaching about. We really liked his connection. We liked the fact that he was bold and powerful and strong and that he uh, preached the word, and uh, there was no fluff, and we really enjoyed that. So we kept, uh, we kept staying, and then here we are. Uh, Four years later, the pastor of our church, and uh, now I'm up on stage. (laughs) Wow, right? Time is crazy. So um, I want to actually read some scripture to you because this is some scripture that has really helped me in my life, uh, and um, it's super powerful. Let's put it up here on the screen, and uh, this is from Philippians 4, 4, 7, it says, uh, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. man. It's a chock full of a whole lot of stuff, and it is so powerful what this has done in my life and how it's changed my life, and I'm going to show you uh, how and what that's done to me. This whole um, verse is written by Paul, and Paul uh, was instructing the saints in Philippi uh, to be prayerful and to seek whatsoever in his righteousness. Paul also declared his confidence in enabling the strength of Jesus Christ. Even though Paul was in prison... He was still in with the Lord, so Paul is writing this while he is in prison and probably the worst-condition prison you've ever seen. We're talking; uh, people are strapped with chains onto the walls. Uh, there is just hay, dirt, feces all over the floor. It's the 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 smell of probably in this prison is so horrible that you can't even uh, you can't even stand it. And Paul, Paul is writing these letters. And he's rejoicing to the Lord. Wow. Wow, that's crazy. It just blows my mind that he is still in rejoicement with the Lord. And he is saying it. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. said it twice. Wow. So that must mean it's important, right? Absolutely it's important. So why do you think he does that? Why do you think he repeats that twice? What might be he training trying to convey to his readers. Well, I think that praise and prayer in spite of the storm leads to peace in the midst of the storm. The whole point here is to pray, right? The Lord is near. Yes, even in the midst of adversity and difficulty, the Lord is close to his children. Just because we are facing a less than desirable situation doesn't mean that he has left us Or forsaken us. Uh, The Lord didn't leave Paul. And the Lord did not leave me. Um, About 10 years ago, in my personal testimony, uh, my life was not so great. I was not this awesome guy that you see up here now. (laughs) (laughs) I did not have the most amazing wife that's sitting in the back with our little baby boy seven months old yes I did not have that I did however have this child Kyler I did have Kyler yes I did but I was not the greatest dad no I wasn't his first five years of life I was uh, I was rotten I was bad I was caught up in sin um, drugs alcohol that was uh, that was what I worshiped. And um, that is what turned my life into the deepest, darkest place that you could ever be. And that's where I was. Kyler's mom uh, was divorcing me at the time, and I'd lost my jobs. I had two jobs, lost them both. And um, I was sitting in my home, and it's right around Thanksgiving, and my cable goes out. And then you get the little message, oh, sorry, you didn't pay your bill. Just heart-wrenching. Um, I was about to be uh, evicted from my house as well um, and be homeless. It's really where I was at. So um, I got down on my knees, and I prayed to God, and I said, help me. I surrender. I'm yours. Take me, Lord. Take me. Do whatever you want. I'm tired of living my life for me. Let me live for something different because I am not doing it, and I can't do it right down here on earth. And uh, he did. So the next day, I checked into rehab. I know. I was in rehab for two months, two months of my life uh, out in California, believe it or not. California, my brother was going to this church uh, for his um, seminary school, and he was getting his Bible degree. And uh, he had suggested, Todd, if you come out to this U-Turn for Christ rehab center, which was what it's called, um, I'll pay for it. I'm like, what? You're in college. How can you pay for it? He's like, trust me, I have money. I'm like, okay. So he paid for my trip out there. I went to U-Turn for Christ for two months, and it was on this giant farm where we, uh, we actually raised pigs. So we were working on the farm. But when you got to a point where they trusted you, actually, you, then you could venture out into the college that was right next to it. So I would go to the college every day, and I would scrub the toilets. Very humbling experience. I would pressure wash fountains. And the whole time I was there, my brother was, had a friend. And he was like, I, I want you to pray for my brother, Todd. She's like, okay, I'll pray for Todd. Never had met me, never had seen me, and she was praying for me. This woman was praying for me. And um, fast forward. I get out of rehab, and um, the whole time this woman was praying for me for 13 years is now my wife. Wow. Crazy. So amazing how God works. You know, I was ready to give up. I was ready to just throw in the towel, and I just wanted to die. And just like Paul, I never would have known what God had in store for me. I never would have known that God had this beautiful woman waiting for me if I would would have just given up. So let's dive back into the scripture here because the Lord is near. And don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, present your requests to God. What a powerful statement right there. Present your requests to God. During your difficult season, how do you overcome anxiety? Through prayer? Do you do, you do it through uh, rejoicing? Are you pursuing Jesus? How do you continue to praise even in the midst of the storm? I love this line right here. Paul says, in everything, what does that mean? In everything. Pray during the worst time in your life. Pray when things are not going well. Pray when uh, just you're in the deepest, darkest place in your life. Yes, that's exactly what God wants you to do. He wants you to rejoice. He wants you to pray in everything. In everything, rejoice. Is there anything too big or too little in between for God to concern himself with us in our lives? I don't think so. We were created to praise God. Yes, we were. And it becomes a natural expression of your love for the Father when you spend time in the Word and meditate on His goodness. So, now what? Right? Once you have prayed over it and asked God, then let it go. Give it to God. Let Him have it. Let Him take control of it. Take it out of your mind and be gone with it. Let trust in the Lord that He is going to, to watch over you And take care of all your needs and what you need to be done in your life. Um, The end of the verse explains everything. That the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God which transcends. The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds. Wow, that's powerful, right? The peace of God which transcends. All understandings, more than we can understand, right? God understands it. He knows your problems. He knows the, the troubles that you're facing in, in your life. Let him have it. So this is one of my favorite lines here. He's God is trying to communicate with us in our lives. So um, continue to pray in the middle of the storm. And the storms of life are going to come, but don't let them disrupt your peace and affect your thoughts and emotions. This will only move you into self-pity and frustration. When you have a heart for God and you know he loves you, your confidence in his ability to deliver you soars. You know help is on the way and you eagerly anticipate it. So be thankful that we have a God that understands us, a God that understands you, understands everybody in this room knows exactly what you're thinking and what you're going to do. Paul says in the end result here, if we choose to rejoice and then choose to make our request known to God, he says that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's so big, so big. Praise and prayer in spite of the storm leads to peace and, In the midst of the storm. I love that line. In the midst of the storm. Let me say it again. Praise and prayer in the spite of the storm leads to peace in the midst of the storm. Those outside the faith, they might not understand that. They look at us and think, man, they are crazy. But we're not. This is the part of faith in Christ that transcends all understanding. The part that... No one outside the faith believes, because we do. We trust in the Father. We trust that he is going to take care of us through everything, even transcending all understanding. I love that. He will guard your hearts and minds in Christ. So God doesn't tell you to thank him for negative circumstances. He says to thank him while you're in the midst of them. Doing this shows you that you trust in trust in him, and that bring, and that will bring you out. So, what is the big point here? The big point here is praise. Praise is not just um, clapping your hands in church. Praise is not just raising your hand during worship songs. Praise is—it's deeper than that. It's so much deeper than that. It is showing respect and honor, and gratefulness, using your whole entire heart, mind, spirit, and body, despite your circumstances. And ultimately, it's the kind of faith that will be the inspiration to others, and point them in the direction of Jesus. And that is really what it's all about. This whole verse is just pointing you in the direction direction of Jesus, and guarding your heart and listening to him and letting him have all your worries and your troubles, just like it did in my life, I was in the deepest, darkest place in my life, and there was no way out but death for me. I was ready to die. I looked up, I said, "God, take my life." He took it, he shaped me into the man you are I, I am today, with an amazing son, Kyler, who has a father. <laughs> A father that's present, a father that's here. You know, his, uh, his friend, I think it was Zoe, Zoe just told me what Kyler had wrote in his yearbook this year. And I didn't know that. He said, who is the man that you admire the most? And he wrote his father. He wrote his dad. Yeah. Man, I didn't know that. He also wrote... Kyler quote, uh, Jesus is the best. Wait, the best is yet to come with Jesus. He wrote that in the Bible as well, our closing. Um, And I have a wonderful wife and a wife that is such a strong believer in Christ and that loves the Lord and helps me and pushes me stronger and deeper into the Lord and, um, We have wonderful Bible studies together, and I love that woman so much, and I am so blessed that God has given me her and then a wonderful little baby boy. I would have missed out on all of that. I would have missed out on all of that. So would have Paul. Paul would have missed out on all of that as well if he just didn't trust the Lord and listen and give your life to the Lord. That's really what this is all about. Let's pray. Thank you, God. Thank you for your goodness, because your praise will stop the enemy and will move in your hand, God. God, we thank you so much for your first line of defense, and that is your word. Your word that we can meditate over and give it life by speaking it into our lives, Lord, and speaking it into our circumstances, Lord. Thank you, God, for how you've changed my life, Lord, and how that you can change somebody's life here right now in this church or who's watching online, Lord. You can drastically change their life. They just let you in. God, uh, we thank you for your love. We thank you for today, Palm Sunday, God. We love you with all of our hearts, and we know that there is something more to live for, and that is for you, Lord. In your precious name we pray, amen.
3: Wow, that's a hard act to follow. Well, my name is Ray Lane, and I've been coming to Christwalk Walk about 12 years now. My husband, Doug, and I own a couple of uh, businesses here on the island, Club 14 Fitness and North Florida Muay Thai. We've been doing that almost 25 years. Um, truly our ministries, truly our ministries. Um, at the tender age of five years old, I gave my heart to Jesus. My father explained to me the saving, beautiful gospel message, and I openly and cannot, I don't even forget it. That's a long time ago. I can still remember that sitting on the couch with dad. My father is also my earliest remembrance of worshiping God. Um, He was my first example, truly, of how to be a true worshiper of the Lord. You see, dad drove us kids in a big carpool. There's probably four or five of us in the car to school almost every day. And invariably he would have a cassette tape in his car already playing worship music. He would raise his hands at stoplights, one hand if he was driving, um, and sing along to the words. And yeah, maybe the kids in the backseat thought that was crazy, but I was in awe of it. And uh, again, first example of of true worship in my life. So if you're taking notes, my mini message is entitled, True Worship, Seeking What Matters to God. And our scripture reference, if you just want to put your finger there, is found in John chapter 4. So let's talk about true worship. Let's define worship, first of all. In the dictionary, worship is defined as declaring the greatness of something or someone. Worship is to ascribe worth. We tend to value worship and value uh, the things that we uh, value the most. In the Bible, uh, worship is defined as bowing down in homage or laying down, giving up something that we care about to honor God. In the Old Testament, just to give you a few examples, The first time worship is mentioned is when um, Cain and Abel brought their offerings to the Lord, and that was an act of worship, to give an offering. Um, Also in Genesis, Abraham bowed low to the ground before the Lord, and he also went up to the mountain with Isaac to worship God, also in Genesis. In the New Testament, we find a few examples there as well. The first time worship is mentioned in the New Testament is when the wise man went up to worship the newborn king. That was in Matthew, and in Luke, when Satan offers Jesus the world, if he would but worship him, yeah. Also in Matthew, the disciples worship Jesus after that infamous water walk. But how did Jesus define worship? Let's go to our familiar story found in John 4. It's the story of Jesus' encounter with the woman at the well, and we've heard this preached many, many times, I'm sure. Let's peek in on their conversation whenever you're ready to put it up. It's picking up in verse 16. That, um, Jesus had just told the woman at the well about living water And to go and get her husband. All right, verse 16. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replies. Jesus says to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. And his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. I love the cunningness of our Lord here. The woman, embarrassed by the fact that he had pointed out she'd had five husbands and is living with a man, tries to get him off topic, right? She tries to um, distract him by talking about places of worship, kind of a religious talk. So, again, I love how cunning he is. When he is not going to let it go, he refuses to be distracted from his lesson and gets to the heart of the matter. See, she's hung up on a place, right? And Jesus points out that true worship isn't contingent on a place, a time, a day, but about worshiping God the way he seeks for us to, in more spirit and in truth. So let's delve deeper into these two aspects of worship. We're going to talk about each of them separately. I woke up really hoarse this morning. Sorry. Must be the pollen. First up, worship in spirit. Jesus says that God is a spirit, so we should worship him in spirit in verse 24. We're created in God's image, so it makes sense. He's a spirit, that we have a spirit too, right? Worship in the spirit means engaging the whole heart. Unless there's a real passion for God, there is no worship in spirit. God is spirit, and we worship him by connecting our spirit to His Spirit. Worshiping God in spirit, I believe, means connecting with Him on a non-physical level. Worships should not be about rituals, traditions, a physical building, or the order in which a church service flows. We can and should worship God anytime, anywhere, not just on Sundays at 10 o'clock, right? Psalm 34 verse 1 says, I will worship the Lord at all times. His praise will be continuously on my lips. Paul worshiped in prison, just like um, Todd said earlier. Nothing can restrain worship in the spirit. Remember David, when he brought the ark back? What did he do? He danced. He jumped around. He was an embarrassment to his wife. But it was unrestrained worship, an exuberant display. This is worship in the spirit. Heartfelt, unscripted, unhindered, grateful connection with God. Worship in truth. Well, truth means properly informed. Unless we have knowledge of the God we worship, there is no worship in truth. In John 4, verse 10, Jesus points out that the woman has no idea who she's talking to, but if she did, she would respond very differently. This brings up the question, do we really know who we're worshiping? Is our worship something that comes from the overflow of a relationship with Jesus that we engage with every day? Or is it merely to check off a box on Sunday morning? In John 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. Worship in truth means we should have intimate knowledge of the one and understanding of the one we are worshiping. Otherwise, it's just empty pretense and pointless noise. There should be no facades, faking, ulterior motives. God wants us to be true, to be consistent. Okay. Explored both aspects of true worship. Let's put them together. Let's say, as in, for sake of example, you want to lose weight. What are the, a couple of things you, wanna, you, you might think about doing? Diet, Diet. Mm-hmm. cut back on calories, or exercise, burn more calories than you're taking in. Well, alone, you'll get some results, but what if you put them both together? You dieted and exercised. The results are magical. Trust me, I've been doing this a long time. <laughs> um, so the same is, can be true for uh, worship get back to my notes here spirit without truth leads to a shallow overly emotional experience that can be compared to a high as soon as the emotion is over the worship ends truth without spirit can result in a dry passionless encounter that can easily lead to a form of joyless legalism The best combination of both aspects of worship result in a joyous appreciation of God informed by scripture. The more we know about God, the more we appreciate him. The more we appreciate, the deeper our worship. The deeper our worship, the more God is glorified. And that's really the point. So what? As we learn to worship in spirit and truth, there's some pretty amazing benefits that we can experience. And I'm just going to run through really quick. How about victorious living? Do you guys remember the story of Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles? The more he had his um, fighters praise and worship, the bigger their victory was. So they won this incredible victory because they sang to the Lord, basically. They were praising on the battlefield. How about blessings? Worship the Lord your God, and his blessing will be on your food and water, in Exodus it says. He says he'll take away sickness from among you. A Deliverance. Back to Todd's story. When Paul and Silas were praying in that prison, do you remember what happened? It brought a violent earthquake. Everything shook. Their chains fell off. The prison doors flew open. They were delivered. That can happen to us too. Chains can be loosened when we worship. Worship brings joy. Psalm 43:4. Then I will go to the altar of my God, to God, my joy and my delight. So, what are our next steps? How do you become a true worshiper? Our desire as we grow into true worshippers should be a deeper relationship with the Father. How do we obtain this? Well, just like you would a person, by spending time with him, in his word, in prayer, in community. Some suggestions would be, simply get to know him by reading his word. This points us back to worship and truth. How about thanksgiving and praise? Psalm 104 says, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. The Bible teaches us to worship with singing. We did that this morning. Our worship team does an amazing job of ushering us into the presence of the Lord in in song. How about listen to worship music when and wherever you can, just like my dad did with his cassette tape. Now we can stream music 24-7. You don't have to have a cassette tape. Spending time with him in prayer. If you feel like dancing, I dare you, Dance. Dance like no one's watching. Remember David? He didn't care. He didn't care his wife was embarrassed. He was doing it unto God. Raise your hands. Do you all know what that means? Besides palms for Palm Sunday? its I believe it's an act of surrender, surrendering your will, surrendering yourself. It's a selfless display of love. I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm loving on God when I raise my hands. Um. It's just that openness of giving and receiving, and it's a a good physical um, way to attach worship. Did you know that tithing and giving are acts of worship? We talk about that on the MC script every Sunday. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce, it says in Proverbs. Worship like no one is watching. After all, our motive should be to love on God and bring glory to Him, just like my dad did in the car. And in conclusion... True worship is both spirit and in truth. Because of Jesus, it's not based on location. It's a lifestyle. We should have an intimate knowledge of and relationship with the subject of our worship. God is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and truth. Will you be one of his true worshipers? Thank you.
0: Nicely done. Okay, so Todd talks about praising God. Ray talks about worshiping God. What does Lois talk about? It's not here. It's wrestling God. If you know me, that might make sense. If you don't know me, you've been warned. So, yeah, hi, I'm Lois Campanelli. Um, I chose the topic, wrestling God, because I feel like I have wrestled with God throughout my life sometimes more intensely than others, but fighting him over what I want versus what I'm getting in life happens often enough that it's notable. Um, lucky, luckily for us, me, there's a man in the Old Testament named Jacob that did exactly this too. I love the whole story of Jacob. He is a mess, and I can relate to that. Jacob physically wrestles with God, though, rolling on the ground overnight to get something he wants. Jacob's wrestling with God shows me several things. We often wrestle the wrong people instead of God. God is okay with us wrestling him. In in fact, we discover blessings in God's answers to the big, who am I, questions by wrestling him and The limp remains in us, but not in Jesus. So the whole basis for this is Genesis 32. Um, I'm just going to read the whole thing, and then I'm going to break it down to make those three points. So it goes like this. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had set them across the stream, He sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? And Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Oh, sweetheart, can you go go up to um, verses twenty-two and twenty-two? Here, here we go. So let me break this. Let me break this down a little. The fullness of these first couple of verses are actually found in the background of Jacob's life that leads up to this point. Um, Jacob's birth, his childhood, his young adulthood demand answers to big questions like, who am I? Am I loved? Am I even lovable? Positive answers to these questions are the blessing we all seek. Jacob enters this match with wives and 11 sons and many possessions, but no answers to these questions because he has been wrestling the wrong people to this point to find the answers. Jacob's father, Isaac, is the first wrong person that Jacob fights. His dad doesn't love him best. Isaac prefers his, Jacob's older brother, Esau. Without his father's approval, Jacob knows that he is not loved, and that's where he's stuck. That inward wrestling match for identity and love is going on in Jacob's mind between his father and himself. It's like that cry, I'm not good enough for you, that some ugly teenagers think have problems with. And if only Jacob could turn that wrestling energy to God, he would find different answers to the questions we all need answered. But Jacob moves on to a second wrong person in Uncle Laban. He runs from a losing fight with his father to another losing fight with his uncle. Uncle Laban is the worst. He lies to Jacob many times over, and Jacob is always wrestling for what only seems fair. Uncle Laban tricks Jacob into marrying one of his daughters, and he shortchanges Jacob's wages many times over. The wrestling with Laban does not Bring out the best in Jacob. Who is he? Well, he's not as bad as Laban. Is he loved? No. Is he lovable? Not really. This section ends with with verse 24, where finally, finally, a man wrestled with him. He's fighting the right person. Okay, next slide. Um, And this next portion of the story shows us that God is okay with us wrestling him and that we discover blessings and God's perfect will by wrestling him. God is okay with Jacob wrestling him because God is too loving of a God to leave Jacob with a deep sense of unworthiness without positive answers to the questions of who am I and am I even lovable? God orchestrates this wrestling match with Jacob. God provides himself as an opponent, even allowing Jacob to think that he's winning a little. I mean, the man saw he could not overpower him. Is Jacob really stronger than God? No. Jacob, no, God is pulling his punches, holding back because he loves Jacob so much. God merely touches his hip and it's wrenched to end the fight for Jacob's own good. In this match, Jacob is finally wrestling the right opponent. He's finally grappling with God. And what is he he, he wrestling for? It is this. I will not let you go unless you bless me. He, he is wrestling for a blessing. Jacob is desperate to be blessed. If you step back from this scene, you would see that he's already been blessed. He has a family. He has vast wealth. And he's already been blessed by God, but he's still fighting for approval and love. And God gives Jacob what he needs, a blessing of love and acceptance in the way he needs it through a wrestling match. It's in 29. Next slide. Um... So simple, then he blessed him there. So simply put, all this lifetime to receive those words from God at the right time and the right place to be heard. How many times are we looking for blessing in the wrong person, the wrong thing, like earth fathers or jobs or romantic partners and blind to the blessings we have in God? God wants us to turn to him, taking our deep-seated, heavy childhood painful stories to him. And God renames Jacob, giving him a new identity, a new name. He's no longer Jacob Grasper. He's Israel, he who struggles with God. Jacob has an awesome answer to the big who am I question. He is someone who has seen the face of God now. So the last verse, (laughs) the sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. What's the deal with this? The result of Jacob's wrestling match with God is not all roses. He carries a grim reminder of his struggle with God in this limp, a reminder that he tried to deserve his love in his own strength, and he lost. This limp is interesting because Jacob is not perfectly cured in his new understanding with God. This is not a Disney ending story. So, if wrestling with God is a good step to take in your faith journey, why do we have to walk with a limp afterward? That can't be good. For one thing, it's a painful reminder that we can't bless ourselves. With every painful step we may be reminded of our dependence on God rather than on our own strengths. But all this points to someone who wrestled with God for us and wants to walk with God, wants us to walk with God's love, acceptance, and identity. Someone who allows us to see the face of God no limping. Jacob's family, his own family, many generations later, provides the answer. From this family, a man was born who wrestled with God. It was his will not to die versus God's will that he die. Three times this man said, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as, you, as I will, but as you will. God didn't have to touch this man's hip to force recognition of the bigger, stronger opponent with better ideas of what was best for you. Jesus is the perfect Jacob. He shows us that God is not angered by our wrestling. If you are ready in your faith journey to put down your wrestling match with yourself and others and take up the match with God, it will lead you to the love, approval, and identity that Jesus died for you to have. Thank you.
1: Three, three different speakers. Three different passages. Three different stories. But one primary theme that I see being woven throughout the entirety of each of those messages. I think Ray used the word. It's the word surrender. Todd talked about surrendering my, my life to God and, and Ray talked about surrendering my desires and, and the things that I praise and ascribe worth to God and, and, and Lois talked about getting to the place where we surrender our will to God and, and what he's wanting to do in and through us and if you've never done that before perhaps you're here today maybe you're watching with us online and you would say Pastor Blake I've been living my own way doing my own thing For my entire life. But today I'm ready to surrender. The step. The first step for you to take. Is to enter into a covenant relationship. With your heavenly father. Through his son Jesus Christ. To admit that you're a sinner. And to believe on Jesus. The work that he did on the cross. His death. And then his resurrection from the grave. That we'll be celebrating. uh, Like no other here. Next Sunday. For Easter resurrection Sunday. And then to just choose to follow him and to come into a right relationship if, if that's you here this morning watching online with us here in the room i want to invite you to just pray a simple prayer with me we just bow our heads and close our eyes i'm going to pray this prayer if you'd like to step into covenant relationship with jesus or or uh, perhaps you need to renew that covenant today you need to make it fresh and clean a line is being drawn in the sand and you're stepping across and you're choosing once again to surrender your life if that's you would you pray this simple prayer with me this morning heavenly father I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you I believe that Jesus died in my place making a way for us to have a relationship today I choose to follow Jesus in his way for the rest of Amen. Amen We hope
2: you enjoyed this episode
0: of the Christ Walk Church podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. To find out more information about Christwalk Church, including our service times, how to connect with us on social media, and the ministry opportunities we have for you and your family, simply visit our website at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening and don't forget. because of Jesus, the best is yet to come.